towing these damn suitcases inside and like her car is in the garage so i'm like maneuvering around it picking them up going up the stairs so like i started to sweat a little bit so i was like man like i'm just sweating enough to like when i open this door and that cold air hits it's gonna be like ice crystals it's gonna be glorious and it was so hot i opened that door and the first words i was like god and she was like are you kidding me i was like yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> no, like, I can't. Like, there's, there's nothing I can say right now. It's so fun. It was like, dog, the the needle on our thermostat was like at the very end. Like, it's just not even registering a number. It's that hot. Boy, it's good to have air because I think like, had this been yesterday and we still not had no air, that back in my day would have sent me off. Oh, I would, I would have sent me off. Y'all would, have seen, y'all would have seen me on the news. They'd have like, now arrested a 31-year-old Nance. And I'd have like, it's Greenway Air and Home Services' fault. All they had to do was come change the air. And I'd have been cool. Literally. <laughs> Man, literally, I would literally, have been cool. Literally, I would have been cool. <laughs> Samuel cuts it back. Ohio State wins. I put my heart in I represent me in this issue. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Early on the field, a touchdown is confirmed. Fourth and two now. You've got to get two yards. I don't know. I don't think so. No way. Kentucky wins. Welcome back to the Peace of Mind podcast. My name is Kevin Jackson. As always, I'm with AJ Nance. AJ, how you doing? Good man, how are you? Doing all right. School's back in session. It is. I hate to sidetrack this already, but shout out to our intro man, uh, Ed Reed, going into the Hall of Fame this past weekend, and uh, it's probably got to be the. I mean, not even probably. Like I think, for what I know about football and how I understand the game now. Probably the best DB I saw play, like for his entire career. You think so? Uh, I mean, like I saw Dion, but extremely early in time, and I knew he was really good. But like the things Ed Reed did were just unbelievable. So yeah, I don't even think I don't think Ed Reed was even like the most like athletically gifted DB either. He was just smart as hell. And he was just a ball made player. Plays, like, man. Just made plays. I saw something. I, I can't remember if it was during his Hall of Fame speech or during the Thursday night um, showing of the game, but they were saying that 10 weeks prior to the Ravens playing the Colts, Ed Reed purposely misplayed a coverage multiple times in the game Against because Peyton. he knew Peyton Manning would look at it and see it so that he'd have the leg up when they ran that coverage in the season. Like, that's incredible. That's incredible. Also, I love the bit. on. I think he's on the uh, – you know that show with uh, Joe Buck? You ever seen that show? Uh-uh. Where, like, they're sitting, on the just- cha- they're sitting on the chairs and, like, they got a crowd and, like, he just inter- – it's like a live interview in front of a crowd. Yeah, yeah. So I have I haven't seen anything but the Ed Reed episode where he talks about uh the janitors and like yeah. 
dedication yeah. to cleaning up and like being a man. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that in my opinion is what the difference, like that's probably the quintessential reason why he's in the Hall of Fame. Right. Like, and he was truly a pro in everything. He was saying like, y'all are grown men. Like you, you don't need nobody out here cleaning up after you. Like pick up your trash. Yeah. That was, that was big time. Yeah. That I'm hurt, it, but that, yes. the, that locker room speech was probably like the second. That's probably no. That's probably number one. Ed Reed moment after that pick was it a pick or like a fumble where he like takes the ball from his own oh, teammate? I'm pretty sure it's the same game. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm it? fairly certain that's the same game. Same game. Yeah, where, where he makes that speech at halftime, and then the, the big D lineman like. Picks the ball up, he just snaps yeah, the it guys from get him. Like, hey, give me that, bro. I, <laughs> I'm gonna take this to the crib. <laughs> like that's like backyard football. That's some real ball shit, doc. Well, you know how good you gotta be to like you can't you can't take the ball and not score. Like if he, if he takes that and gets tackled twenty yards later, there's an issue. So you gotta take that to the crib. But still, that's like. Like backyard, the the, the confidence you got to have to do that. That's like, like your little just, brother finally that's like he's a play. playing. That's like honestly, like he's playing in the backyard. You know what I mean? Like, there's no <laughs> rules. Just just give me the give ball. Me. Let's go. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Give me that rock, man. I uh, yeah, I will say I I say this every year. I complain about preseason NFL football. Like, I'm not a a huge NFL fan and I'm definitely not a huge um, preseason fan. And I say every year, like I'm not watching this stupid ass Hall of Fame game and you bet your ass at seven Oh one. I'm dialed in watching damn preseason game. I'm just so ready for football. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good game. That's a really good game. There's no pressure. You're not expecting have you, football. Ever, you just get to watch football. Have have you ever been to Canton? Yeah. Yeah, I went once as a kid, and then I went probably like seven years ago after they remodeled it. Not the stadium. Not nice. the stadium. So, just, the, uh, just the Hall of Fame. Not the stadium. Just the Hall of I Fame? Mean the, I mean, the Hall yeah, of Fame see, is right I have there. It. I mean, I just didn't go in the stadium. Yeah, yeah I got you. Uh, that's one thing like I haven't done yet that I want it's to incredible. do. Like, it's incredible. It's hall. legitimately incredible. Like the, It's not like, oh, wow, that was cool. Like. I was blown away after like exhibit after oh, exhibit after days exhibit. In there, yeah, huh? just learning about the early NFL, how it was made, like all the memorabilia they have. Like, you know, this is a jersey mm-hmm. of, you know, like Peyton Manning when he threw his record touchdown pass or whatever. It's like, this is the jersey of Brett Favre when he threw four touchdowns on Monday Night Football against Oakland the day after his dad died. And like, they have everything and then you can even do these little like like they got the thing where you go into a real old school replay booth like you know like the ones that used to be on the field you get to put your head under the hood and you get to watch the replays (laughs) and it's like okay you make the call and it's like oh my god i couldn't i don't know like like these are actually challenged calls and you're like i have no idea what i'd call based on the evidence that the video that they've got and then they'll like tell you dope. they'll tell you what the official actually ended up calling and all that stuff, all the little things like that. That's, That's pretty really dope. Cool. 
Really cool. And then they'll have um they'll have a spot where you can like sit down and they'll have a person bring out all this old memorabilia. Like one of them was a uh one of them was a uh like a Super Bowl ring or yeah, I think it was some kind of ring, a Bronco Nagurski. Mm-hmm. Like back in the day, and you could take a whole quarter and move it right through the ring. <laughs> And they tell the they like they have all these stories. Like they have the stories of like in the off season, Bronco Nagurski would run a gas station, and he was so strong and his hands were so big that he would tighten the gas lids on the cars so tight that you couldn't get it off. So you had to come back to his gas station so he'd take it off. <laughs> and that's like that's like you know what I mean. He's got a award named after him, and that's what he did in his off season. Those old school stories are the greatest. Or like they got like the like the like a they got old contracts, you know, where like a guy got paid two hundred and twenty dollars a year to coach, like an like a legit NFL team, and like the signing bonus or like or like a big bonus was the team got the uniforms washed for them. Ooh. Appreciate that, guys. So, and they've got it all framed and all that stuff. I mean, it's it's really cool. Yeah, that's one I I'll have to make eventually. Um, it's always been on my my to do list. I just got to find the time to get up to to good old Canton. It's a pretty cool town. It's a really cool town. Like it's a it's a little like high school football heaven. They you take it so time. seriously there. You got time for a little trivia? Yeah. There is a player from Ohio State who also had a brother that played at Kentucky that were both from Canton. Do you know who it is? Uh, Brian Hartline. You betcha. Yeah. You betcha. He's coach. He's wide receivers coach at Ohio State. Our producer to hit the ding, ding, ding bell that he hit 73 times prior to us starting. What do you think? The show. Uh, Canton Bulldogs was an official NFL team. Really? Yeah. Um, and then the Canton Bulldogs are the high school. Canton McKinley High School. Mm-hmm. Canton is uh, there's like a railroad track that separates Canton from Maslin. And those two like towns hate each other. So they play each other every year. In the last game of the year, Ken McKinley versus Maslin, it's like a, it's like a n- national rivalry, like a like they. I think they've, I think they've played each other like over a hundred times, mm-hmm. and they usually play in front of like thirty to thirty five thousand people, uh, people at the Hall of Fame Stadium. But I mean, it's just a huge deal up there. I'm I'm down to go to that one day. I uh, I don't know how I'm gonna get there, but I'm down for it. Yeah, we should do it. We should just go up. I don't know if there was like a if we had a Monday off. You know what I mean? Like Labor Day, ideally, would be yeah. a good time to do it. You know what I mean? Where you could like you could you could go to a game on Saturday, go up to the Hall of Fame on Sunday, and then just drive back on Monday. Yeah. So, well, anyway, let's get started. We got a little talk about uh, Ed Reed and Miami Hurricanes. As a good segue into this week's college football conference breakdown, we are focusing on the ACC. 
in the uh, one-headed monster that is that conference. And um, so just a recap of 2018, you had the, I think, second school all time to go 15-0 in the Clemson Tigers. Uh, just dismantling Alabama twenty uh, by 28 points in the college football playoff national championship game, 44-16. Um, not very much competition last year in the ACC with uh, the Coastal being wide open and um, being ultimately won by Pittsburgh with an overall record of 7-7 seven and seven and a 6-2 and two record in the conference. I believe Clemson beat them 41-10 to 10 in the championship game. Yes. 42-10. to 10. So in a league dominated by Clemson, I guess the main question would be, in 2019, will anybody upset them? No. Next question. <laughs> like, this. all right, that's it for the ACC conference breakdown. Catch us next we week. We'll see you next week for the SEC and the Big Ten. <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest, like, no, 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 like. Well, here's the deal, though. I mean, like, they're gonna get in. It's it's like the whole like. I mean, then. I think even if Clemson were to lose to Syracuse, I think they they go to what day do they go to Syracuse? September, September 14th. 14th. They yeah, they play at Syracuse the week after playing Texas A&M at home. Could be a night game, could be a letdown. If I am Syracuse, I'm playing that game at twelve o'clock. <laughs> you know nope. what I mean? Yeah. I'm playing that game at twelve o'clock. And but here's the thing, that's week three. That to me is the only slip up I see. And even if they lost by thirty points. You know they're going to steamroll everybody else on their schedule. Yeah, I'm, I and could, by then everybody's going to like, okay, no big deal. I could see, I could see that game being tighter, just because it's at Syracuse. Um, the reason why I would hesitate to say that is, I think Trevor Lawrence comes out and just puts up his Heisman moment that game because if you remember, that was his first start last year and they knocked him out. True. So I think he comes That's back a with point. a chip on his shoulder this year, kind of like, oh, y'all took, y'all, y'all took a shot at me last year, but, like, I'm the real deal. Like, y'all going to have to see me for all four quarters this year. And they just, like, run it up on him. Yeah, the only other – I mean, the only other game I could see maybe a slip up is at NC State. Yeah. that is a, in my opinion, an underrated place to play. Um, I mean, they're not they're not as talented. I mean, the, uh, all of this is they should win every game, and it right. should even be close. You know what this I mean? Is, this is it, more so like if if they just choose not to to show up and play. Yes, if it were to happen, those would be my guesses. But obviously, I mean, you wouldn't. Is it? It's. I guess it would still be an upset. But if you're predicting it to happen, if everybody thinks they might slip up, and those are the two games that they might slip up, is it really that? Big of a deal, but yeah, we'll see. I can get that. Um, so we're in we're in agreement, the, though. I like mean, they're going the problem with the problem twelve with the, and zero again. Yeah, it's thir- oh, 13, 13, You know, they're gonna win the conference. Yeah, championship me. game. Yeah, um, they'll go thirteen and zero. Um, it seems that the Atlantic Division is going to be very top heavy. 
with probably the two best teams in the league with Syracuse and Clemson. Um, but with the coastal being so wide open, who knows? That could be that could make for an entertaining league. You know what I mean? Yeah. It might not be great, but it'll at least be entertaining because of the parody. I can see that. I um, uh, I mean, you got a lot of like Pittsburgh's always like that feisty team that like will gut out wins and make it tough for you know the pretty teams like. Virginia, not pretty, but like Virginia Tech, Miami, like the the household names in the coastal. Um, yeah. So I could see I could see Pitt making it a muck. I really like I like Virginia. I like their quarterback. Um, I think like they've got a chance to to make some noise. I don't necessarily foresee them like being maybe the team to come out of the coastal, but like I mean. I'd say Bryce Perkins is probably the, I mean, probably the best quarterback in that side of the division. So that gives them a chance. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Plus, I mean, they're just going to have to manage being the top dog because they probably haven't been the top dog in who knows how many years. Yeah. Uh, And in my opinion, they've got enough returning uh, talent. They got two returning starters at wide receiver. They've got uh, three returning offensive linemen, and they got a quarterback. Which you is know? more on than defense, a lot of people. They've got say. yeah defense. They've got a guy at every level returning. They've got all three linebackers. Well, three of the four linebackers. They got one of the three defensive linemen, a corner, and a safety. Yeah. So, I mean, they got guys returning. It all adds up on paper, but they're just going to have to handle the pressure. I think another big thing about Virginia is, um, like, their out-of-conferences kind of tough. Well, tougher because they got Notre Dame, or they got to go to Notre Dame. But they get Duke. Which is a tough game for them. Right, right. But they get Duke, Florida State, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech at home. And they also don't have to play Clemson or Syracuse. Yeah, and they got three gimmies, William and Mary. They've got Liberty. And old dimension. <laughs> so, so yeah. I mean, like you, you could argue that they're they're probably best set up to win the coastal. I'd say that's not necessarily saying they're going to, but you probably say that they're best set up for it, right? Yeah, I, I mean, like Miami has players. Oh yeah, I mean, like you know, they're always going to be there. They're always going to be. It's just, it's just they have players. Can they get? You know, if they, I mean, they, they're the, they're a team that could. If Manny Diaz were to do all the right things and press all the right buttons and get them stepping, you know, in the right direction with the same foot, they're a team that's like, wow, with all that talent, in in synced with each other. Yeah. Yeah, they could do it. I mean, Virginia's not that far away. You know what I mean? That's fair. So, I mean, here's what I think. I didn't even bother predicting <laughs> the 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 most of the conference. I kind of came up with general generalities. Yeah. Obviously, with the Atlantic, Clemson, mm-hmm. and Syracuse, and then you've got Florida State, NC State, Wake Forest, Boston College. 
Yep. And I think it's pretty safe to say Louisville's going to be in the bottom end of that. Hey. There we go. So, I mean, I just it, – it, here's the trend. It seems like with Bobby Petrino is – He's out. Yeah, but like, you know, the attitudes go bad. And then you bring a new guy in. He kind of like – you know, he loses the team. Attitudes go bad. They bring a new guy in. And then it takes a while, you know, they got to, they, they got to run some kids off, kids transfers, then you're behind. And then you, you know what I mean? It just takes time to rebuild it. I agree. I, I will say though, I, I, as, as much as I, you know, want to talk shit about him, um, I do think that that was a, a, a pretty solid hire by them to hire uh, Scott Satterfield. He's coming from uh, Appalachia state. So, you know, he's got a background of winning, like, getting players to win games. So, I mean, you're not... Yeah, they develop them. They got a good culture. But the problem is, like, you know, here's the deal. Is he is he going to be around long enough? You know? I think it, for some reason he had some early success. And, you know, what if... I mean, what if... I don't know. Maybe this is a bad example because it's on the other division. But, like, what if a school like Virginia Tech with, like, Justin Fuentes, like, what if they... I mean, they just... After three years, they decide to go a different way. I mean, Virginia Tech's a better program than Louisville. Yeah, I get that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a question mark for me. So that's, I mean, pretty much it. You've got Clemson, far and ahead, number one. You got Syracuse, probably going to be number two. Whole bunch of teams in the middle, Louisville in the bottom. Yeah. Then on the coastal, it's pretty much. Virginia, Virginia Tech, Miami. I mean that then, that side's more of a toss up. I, I, you, yeah, I, would I agree, Pitt, but I, I think the only I think the only certain thing about what you said, Pitt. I, I, thought Pitt I, mean, I guess, but I think the only thing that's certain is Georgia Tech's going to be at the bottom end. Oh, are they? I think so, dude. They, I mean, they're going to be. So, are they going to be able to score? They're going to be better than Duke. They've got no quarterback. I mean, think about the quarterbacks on the roster. They're all triple option kids. You don't have tight ends in the triple option. I mean, even if you do, like, you don't have true tight ends. And if they want to go to the spread, I mean, like, I mean, you got to have a tight end that catches the ball. That's true. I mean, what wide, what wide receivers are you going to have? I mean, like, I don't think, I don't think they're going to be like a dumpster fire. You know what I mean? I just don't think they'll be good. That's fair. I, it it won't be like a it won't be like a bad program where it's like, oh my gosh, those guys are cancers. You gotta get rid of that coach. These guys are all in trouble. I I just don't think they're gonna be any good. Yeah. I just don't think they're gonna have the players. But uh, some interesting storylines, at least you know. Um, I really think can Duke maintain post Daniel Jones? Uh, you know, Cut, Cutcliffe's a pretty stable guy. He is. You know? I, I mean, wh- I, for Duke, is it is it minimum five hundred? I I don't even necessarily say that. I say if I mean if Duke can come back and win five games this year, I think that's that's a decent enough bridge here to get you to. You know, to get all of your youngsters some some experience and then get back to you know being a, a good bowl team. 
I, who knows? They might not even have a team after week one. Oh, yeah. They're, listen, every once in a while, somebody has to take – you ever – you got two older brothers, right? Um, yep. But, like, you guys ever get in trouble, but, like, they had to take the ass whooping when it should have been you, yeah. but they had to take it because they yeah. were the older ones? Like, that's Duke this year. Like, they just got to take the ass whooping because of Clemson. Yeah, that's – I mean, that's tough. What I was just thinking about was they got to fire the athletic director for scheduling that game. <laughs> I'm sure they didn't know when they were scheduling it that Duke was going to get – or that I mean, that's Bama probably was going to give me my 30. So, fire the guy for, like, not backing out of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't understand why, why college football teams do this. <laughs> to me, it's akin to, like, sending, like, soldiers into war. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like at least it might be like a noble cause or like, you know, like some liberties on the line. But like in basketball, sure. Like you're Northern Iowa. Go play Kentucky. Who cares? You know what yeah. I mean? I read an or article like, today where they were – somebody was complaining about Kentucky's uh, off-season schedule or uh, out-of-conference schedule. And they were like, oh, it's time for them to toughen up the out-of-conference. I'm like, listen here. We have – exactly one 10 win season in like the last 40 like let's just pump our brakes for a second like we ain't no, god's gift yet you don't have to do you that don't have to you ain't playing for no, we're not yeah, going to the right. national championship like i i love my school to death we're not going there so put you some games on there where hopefully you can get a win but not only that you can you can have your team tested but also like build build their confidence like I can't tell you, like, I, I mean, so my freshman year, my first three games were at Louisville, who won the Orange Bowl that year. Then we had Texas State at home, and then we had Ole Miss at home. Those three games did so much for my career because you played an out-of-conference team that was incredible. Like, that first year, like, Louisville was very – Kind of opened your eyes. And it kind of, you know, I was almost, like, shocked at – the college speed and like how the game went. So like it was a real awakening for me, but then you come back the next week and we play Texas state and I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, like then there's no knock on Texas state. It's they're just not 11, 12 win Louisville that year. Like they, I could, I could confidently play out there. And part of that being like, I had played a, a full college game the week before, but also it's just like, they weren't as talented as, as Louisville. So it's like, once you kind of do that, then you get your feet down. Then the next week you play Ole Miss. And then you get to see that difference and and what the SEC, what, you know, what people say is like the real SEC. So with that schedule, like you get to kind of warm up and go into it. But like my freshman year, we don't make a bowl game if we don't play beatable teams because we weren't very good my freshman year. And just making a bowl game will help develop. Right. People don't understand. Like, you go to a bowl game, man. Like, if you lose and you're five and seven, your season ends on Thanksgiving, right? One more win puts you at six and six. That means your season now stretches to, at minimum, pretty much Christmas. Do you know how much practice that is? Like, 
That gives you like, yeah, that's a lot. And you're not necessarily practicing that whole time. You're working out, you're watching film, you're doing a lot of like, uh, not rehab work, but um, a lot of like stretching and just stuff to like keep your body in playing shape. You're not necessarily, um, you're not necessarily practicing and banging every day, but just think about like, think about how as a human now your body changes. If I gave you as a college kid, let's say from Thanksgiving to the second week in January off, imagine how much your body would change, how much you probably not work out, how much you eat and you'd get out of shape. Now you trim that down and let's say for, okay, UK played in the January 1st bowl game. So they probably got a little break to go home, but they practiced pretty much throughout December. And then you play January 1st. Well, hell, you're back in school probably January 10th. Well, when you're back in school, like you're back to practicing and working out every day. Well, that shorter turnaround means my, your strength and condition coach isn't getting you back in shape. He's just building on top of what you already got. Like it's less time for the ball to drop off. So you, you're able to grow what you're doing with your squad. And like that makes a difference, man. Especially when you're a yeah, six and six team. You know, it might not make a difference for Ohio State. Like, they're going to be a 10, 11, 12 win team every year. But when you're that borderline team, like, that's huge. And not to mention, like, going to a bowl game helps keep those recruits. Like, people stay, people stay committed to the team when, when you're winning and you're, and you're somewhat successful. You know, you go four and eight off of a 10 win season, you know. Guys are going to start looking elsewhere, especially the the guys who are good enough to do so. Those are all good points. I'm looking at Duke's schedule mm-hmm. right now, and I I think their most important game comes to October 5th matchup against Pittsburgh, because the way I see it, the Alabama game's a loss. You've got to beat North Carolina A and T. You got to beat MTSU. Probably gonna lose on the road to Virginia Tech. So that puts you at mm-hmm. two and two. I put that Pittsburgh game up to a toss up. So that's uh I mean that could be the sixth win. Cause I got Georgia Tech as a win, at Virginia as a loss, at North Carolina as a win, Notre Dame as a loss, Syracuse as a loss, at Wake Forest as a win, Miami as a loss. I don't think I'm giving them Wake Forest. So, Wake Forest is Wake Forest was a a seven eight win team last year. Yeah, well, I mean, it. I, I mean, guess, I mean, I'm not just outright saying it. It's a toss up, but let's see. Wake Forest went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They were seven and six team last year, and they beat Memphis in the uh, Birmingham Bowl. And they beat also they beat Duke fifty nine to seven last year. Duke. <laughs> yeah, maybe you know. Also, what what's your what's your mindset here with the the two weeks before that they got to go to Virginia Tech and to uh, Clemson? Yeah. Do they are they are they broken or do they like see blood knowing that they don't have to play a juggernaut? I think part of that. I think I I do think that you know they're they're definitely like beaten up, but they're also looking at that like they probably have. That's their senior that's their, day. That's sandwiched in between at Clemson, at Syracuse. 
that's tough. You just know looking I mean? like, at their schedule, they're fighting for six ish wins. So that game could be like that final straw. So I think I I think that's one that I'd probably like as of now, preseason, I'd probably lean towards Wake Forest. But it's also one of those things like there's not ten people on the planet who have broken Wake Forest season down into like huge I guess like broken it down to the point where they could tell me for a fact like this is how they're gonna shape up. So it's I mean, it's a crapshoot either way you look at it. I just think like the way that lays out, that's probably gonna be their fighting for a sixth fifth or sixth win. Um You know, that's gonna be a fun game. That's going to be a fun game to go back to. <laughs> We're looking back and at- see what's going on in the season. Yeah, you know, it's November 23rd. And, man, it's like we talked about this right. game. You know, they're both sitting at five <laughs> and six. You know, just trying to get that sixth win. So let me ask you this. Um, I guess it would be five and five. I, I do want to jump back to the Atlantic for a second. Um, I know that it's pretty much a runaway with Clemson. But – um, there are some intriguing storylines here. Uh, we touched on one being like, how does the new coach do um, at Louisville? What's that turnaround time? Um, second year coach. Um, how does he do at Florida State? Like, is he is he gonna get it done? Like, is because to me, I, I I look at it as, and I've got a couple friends that are Florida State fans, and they'll tell you. They think Taggart's going to get three or four years regardless. I honestly, I think if he doesn't win six games this year, he might be gone. He might be gone if he wins six. And I I guess my argument is, like, I I always argue, you know, you can't get rid of a guy if you don't have a for-sure backup or if you don't have a for-sure plan. Well, it, if I think you can if you're Florida State. You can, but I mean, like, who, Florida, I, Florida State's not, to me, is not one of those um, coordinators, young coordinator gets a, finally gets a shot kind of job. And I know Jimbo was a coordinator, but, like, he was also there for many a moons with uh, Bowden before he took over. And it's just like, they're not going to do, like, a next man in line kind of thing, like, how uh, Miami did with Diaz. So, like, who's that big name that you're going to go attract that are, like, not only going to make your fans happy, but also, like, give you the results you're looking for? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they have somebody on their radar. I know college programs, I know they have, like, hiring agencies, and they they have people in their offices, like, keeping tabs on people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Worst case scenario, you know, it breaks tomorrow that uh, Taggart's doing NCAA violations. You know what I mean? I'm sure I, I guarantee you they have those people that are like, we got to go. We got to, we have a plan. This guy we're going to go with. Obviously, they probably wouldn't get him this year, but a guy that they would, they would pick out next year. I, I think the, I think the, um, the minimum is seven wins. And I think also what goes, what is most important is if they see improvement and things like effort. I mean, there were times DeAndre Francois last year, like it was just almost embarrassing to the mm-hmm. program. You know what I mean? And I I understand it's a lot easier said than done to play that position when you're getting beat up. But I don't know. I mean, it's a hard 
it's a hard thing to imagine offensive linemen not trying hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, in his defense, I man, there's some plays like wide and it looks like they're literally just opening up the gate. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I really do. And um I think I think it I think they might end up going mm-hmm. with Hornybrook. I don't think Hornybrook's all that good. I mean, I think Hornybrook's good enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But if you got Cam Akers rolling, Hornybrook could be that guy that's like he's been there forever. Yeah. He's been around for a while. He's played a lot of football games. He can kind of be that kind of guy that the ship. kind of just steadies the ship, keeps it from sinking, you know, might steal mm-hmm. you a game or two, but he probably will lose you a couple games as well. You know, you won't be in because he's the quarterback. You don't got you don't have a chance to be like a big time school mm-hmm. like Clemson. You know what I mean? He's not that good. But, you know, some of those games where they're like hanging in the balance and they need somebody to just like just keep us close. He might be that guy. That's what I was Could be say. Blackman, so though. My, you know uh, what I mean? My Florida State friends are I don't, dead I mean, set on Blackman. They, they, they think he's going to be the guy. Yeah, I mean, it, it very well could be. Um, I, I think ultimately what it, what it goes down to is – who can protect the football yeah. the best? And who knows? I don't. I don't think Alex Hornibrook has a great reputation of doing that. But um, at least in big games, you know what I mean. When it when it's against average to medium competition, he's good. But when you play the elite teams, he he throws the ball all over the place. He's throwing picks and stuff. Okay, so I got another one for you. You brought up Cam Akers. Um, we all know, like, just him being like a an every down kind of back. He can run, so he can good. catch, he can he can do a lot of stuff. Um but I do have a question for you. If you were coaching a team right now in the ACC and you had the choice between Cam Akers and AJ Dillon at running back, who would you take? Oh, I go Cam Akers in a second. Not even in close, a huh? Second. That kid's a freak, Listen, man. He is. He has no offensive line. No offensive line. I mean, Boston College ain't much better. Dude, no, but that's their style. You know what I mean? That's a system tailor-made. Tailor-made for a running back. That's all Adazio wants to do is just pound you 25, 30, 35 times a game with a power back. I mean, that's their comfort zone. He's going to put up those numbers. If Cam Akers was in that offense – Dude would rush like the who's the cat they had a couple years ago oh, that rushed for like two grand. Uh, uh, not, I mean, he, he didn't go to anywhere. The he disappeared. Yeah, he got. Is hurt. he still playing? Oh, I cannot think of his name. Oh boy, this is really going to bother me. I should know this. Oh, Dalvin Cook. That's right. That's not. No, 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 no. That's no, no. no. I'm talking about Boston oh. College. Who was their running back the other? <laughs> They had a cat a few years ago that he rushed for over 2,000 yards. Yeah, what was his name? No, Dalvin was good. I mean, Dalvin, yeah, Dalvin was, was the like, truth. Really good. Um, 2,000. But what I'm saying is that you put Cam Akers in Boston College's offense, like, good night. That's fair. Oh, Andre Williams. Why can I think of his name? That's actually probably one of the most generic names I've ever heard of in my life. Yeah. 
Williams <laughs> has got to be one of the most what do you common think the, last you think that's more than uh, Jackson? Also, um, no, no, no. But the Williams, yeah, Williamson, Williamson. I mean, that's a common name. William as an actual first name. Um, they got this the kid from um, the mm-hmm. kid from Florida State. They're returning wide receiver. <laughs> the one that they put on the uh, uh, one that they the put on the the thing on Twitter <laughs> that was saying like, yeah. Oh, is that him? I'm just saying this kid's got to be in the all name team. He's got to be in the 2019 peace of mind all name team. I've never Tamorian heard of the name Tamorian. <laughs> Tamorian Terry. T A M O R R I O N. I've never heard of Tamorian. I like the name. I'm not joking though. DeAndre, James, Cam, Jaquez, Amir, DJ, Keith, Naquan. I've had a Naquan before. Like Ricky. <laughs> Ricky just came out of nowhere. <laughs> Brian. I'm just going through these names. I mean, like this uh, a kicker, Ricky Aguaya. Like I'm just saying, like all those names I've heard of, but Tamorian, that's a, that's an all name. So, team. looking at Florida State's schedule, do you think that they make a ball game? I think they lose to Boise State. That's a. T- I mean, that's I to me. I mean, that's wild. That's a tough close to home game. though. You know what I mean? Where is it? Jacksonville. I mean, that's true. I don't think that bothers Boise though. It's kind of like a weird thing in their blood. It's yeah, like their DNA. You know what I mean? Them, but I do think it it favors Florida State to be closer to home. Yeah, I think the, all the I think all the pressures on Florida State. Um, yeah, that's a tough that's a tough game. I think oh, that's absolutely. the litmus test. How far have they come? Because last year, week one, you remember they they got blown out by Virginia Tech. I see. Week one, and it was like it wasn't even. I close. see three definite wins on their schedule, and I see three toss ups. I got UL. I got ULM. Mm-hmm. Alabama Louisville, State. Those are three definite Alabama wins. State. I got Boston College, Wake Forest, North Carolina State, and Boise as toss ups. Hmm. Isn't that sad that we're yeah. talking Florida State like that? Yeah. Like college football, like they're just one of those teams. Like college football is better when they're when they're really good. It just it's just that it's a fact. Yeah, it's a weird time for the ACC because you've got all these traditional programs like Florida State, Virginia Tech, Miami. I mean, those are those are three very yeah. traditional programs. And they're as average as you can be. You know what I mean? So I uh let's get into uh let's go and have you have you broken down the top five yeah, most important yeah, games? I broke the a few down here. Um I mean number one's okay. gotta be Florida Miami. Like it's like for for Florida or for Miami it's it's Diaz's first game. It's it's against an in-state rival, and I mean it, it sets the tone for your season. Not only this year, but uh, especially for Manny Diaz moving forward. I mean, or, or honestly, both. Uh, uh, it, it sets the tone for not only your season starting one and zero, but moving forward when you're trying to recruit the state. I think right now, more than ever, 
Uh, I mean, you've got the the top dog schools like Clemson, Bama, your Georgias. They're going to be able to come into Florida and get some of your talent now. But like somebody has to assert themselves as the leading team in that state. And who's going to who's going to dominate recruiting in that state? And so um, I think this game goes a long way to doing that. And I mean, all three of these teams are going to play each other. So it's like, you know, if I go if I'm Florida and I go two and oh, I get to go into kids house for the next 365 days and talk talk about it. Uh, number two, I've got Florida State, Boise State, uh, for all the reasons we talked about it. I mean, it's they're gonna they're gonna struggle to get to six wins, and this is gonna be a huge game. And I and I also think like that's a good win. If you beat Boise State, that's a good football team. They like they're gonna be a good football team. They usually are. So to beat them uh, is a good thing for your team. Uh, August thirty first, I got Virginia at Pitt. We talked about it. I think that this could be one of those determining games for who comes out of the Coastal. Um, two tough teams. I really think that uh, that might be a game that it might be between two unranked teams at that time, but it might be one that you want to really like tune into and watch. Um, I got A&M and Clemson, obviously. it's prob- I think that's going to be Clemson's biggest test. Uh and that's no slight at Syracuse. I just think that A and M is a better team. It was their best, probably their best challenge last year. Um, and so I think that that's a must tune into game. It's the third, second full week, third actual week of the season. Um, Want to look into that one? Followed by Clemson Syracuse. Um, like you said, for if there was a chance for a slip up you know, being so locked into that A&M game that you stumble in to a noon kickoff at Syracuse and, you know, they play you tough. You're always one play away from it being a really tough game. So um, I throw that one in there too. Um, last two, I've got Syracuse versus Pitt. I think that that could play a factor in who, who comes out of uh, the Coastal. Like I said before, I think, I think Pitt's going to be right there in, in the muck of things in the running. Um, and it may, that game being so late in the season or being later in the season could play a role in who comes out of the coastal. Uh, or if, excuse me, could play a role if Pitt comes out of the coastal. Um, and in the final game, Louisville at Kentucky. And why is that one important? Because they're getting that ass whooped and they're losing to Kentucky back to back for the first time. And, Probably eight, nine years. And so uh, it'll be pretty exciting. And I don't think, I think if you ask any logical, which is oxymoron, but any logical Louisville fan will tell you, uh, they don't stand a chance <laughs> of hell of beating Kentucky this year. They just, they just don't. Uh, and that's not, I've said the same thing about Kentucky like two years ago when we had to play Lamar Jackson, like we didn't stand a chance of hell of beating him. And, it, uh, and he ran wild on us. It just happens to be their time where they're going to get their ass whooped. I mean, it is what it is. Everybody's got theirs. Michigan's been living theirs for the last uh, 20 years. Who knows? But everybody's got their time. It's just, it's, it's Louisville's time. And 
I enjoy saying that, and I probably say it every single week as much as I want to. So there it is. That's a pretty good list. I got some similarities. Uh, I'm going number five, Duke versus North Carolina. Mm. Not um, the basketball game? Not the basketball game. I'm going football edition. I think that's a big <laughs> time win for uh, uh, for the, the community, for the school, the program. That's a big time win for Mac Brown if mm-hmm. he can get that done. I read a stat where he finished. Uh, I think he won the last eight games as a coach of North Carolina. Last eight games versus Duke. Mm-hmm. So if he's able to jump in the saddle and get right back to it, also for uh, David Cutcliffe, I mean that's I mean that's a go to. Got to got to have it. You know what I mean? Got to beat your yeah. rival. Got to have the win. Uh, you're probably better than them on paper. Number four, I got Virginia Tech at Virginia. Uh, it could be a big game settling between the Coastal Division. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of people have Virginia, Virginia Tech one and two in the Coastal. So it could be a big game settling that side of the division. Uh, that game coming on uh, November 29th could be determining who plays in the ACC championship game. By the way, where do they play the ACC championship game? Why can't Orlando. I remember this? Is it in Orlando? I believe. I'm pretty sure. I'm fairly certain. Do they all go to Disney World and all that stuff? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's just for uh, UCF when they celebrate their championship Oh, that's true. But it's legit, though. National championship, not conference. <laughs> uh, uh, to answer your question, they play actually in North Carolina at Bank of America. Oh, really? In Charlotte? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. How about that? Okay. Um, I'm going number three as a very uh, unique pick for most important game and because it's not just one. I have the number three spot as a category number three represents all the non-conference rivalry games <laughs> I um, like that. starting off i mean these are important because i gotta check this last one but i believe all four of these major rivalry games were lost last year yes that is true because miami did not play florida so, starting off August 31st, Miami versus Florida. Uh, you know, that's a that's a non-conference rivalry game. Then a couple weeks later, um, you've got uh, Pitt at Penn State, mm-hmm. who's just gotten smacked the last two years by Penn State. Uh, that's not a good look for your league. And then a couple of big ones on November 30th, you got Florida State at Florida and Louisville at Kentucky. So... Based on paper, gonna be a rough year just, for the ACC again. <laughs> just doesn't look good. <laughs> it don't look like, good for them again. Your non-conference rivalry. That's a lot of non. I didn't realize that. I mean, I mean, how many other leagues have big non-conference rivalries like that? Uh, not like at the end of the season. Not many. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's uh, you know, like I don't think anybody in the big. I mean, it's just weird. It's a weird concept to not be playing in your league at the end of the year. I mean, I'm th- I'm thinking here. So Georgia does it in the SEC. We do it. Uh, South Carolina does it. But that's a that's a. I mean, I go. I mean, I guess you could add that to the list. Um, yeah. Georgia Tech versus Georgia at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a big time loss. I mean, the only one that's going to save face is surprise, surprise, Clemson. Yeah. And we haven't even talked about them that much. 
I mean, they'd be the only lock for beating their out-of-conference rival. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving on, I got number two. Uh, on September 14th, I got Clemson at Syracuse. That's probably the two best teams in the league. Yeah. I'd say um, you're right there. The most damage to potentially be done. Uh, and probably the most to be gained. I mean, how interesting would it be if Syracuse were to go to the ACC championship over Clemson? Uh, you talk about a net. I mean, I don't see it happening either, but uh, I mean, Syracuse could lose two non-conference games. I mean, you know what I mean? It's possible. Uh, uh, it's possible. Listen, you know what I mean? We, we almost saw, I mean, not almost saw it, but like, they're a possession away from winning last year. So, yeah, and I know Dino's like got his guy last year. You know what I mean? I got a, he's got his quarterback, right? Uh, and that's because they what they they bring back Dungey this year though, don't they? I don't think that they do. I thought so. Let me look here. Beep, 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 beep. I've got it right here. They've got um, Eric Dungey's gone. Yeah. He's Tommy gone. DeVito. Tommy DeVito is the guy coming back. Got it. So he. Yeah, he uh well he's a four star recruit and he uh he played some last year though, didn't he? He did. He threw eighty pass ninety passes. Okay, so, so like not a ton, but he did play some. Yeah. And then uh number one um could I mean could be the conference's best marquee game nationally. Is early in the season, September seventh, Texas A and M at Clemson. Yeah, yeah, that game is going to be a must watch. Like, yeah, you know what's wild is, I mean, um, they come back to back for Clemson, Texas A and M, and then a week later they got to go to Syracuse. Mm-hmm. So, I don't I, the the percentage has got to be less than five percent that they lose both. Mm-hmm. But um, with them going back to back. I, I just don't see them losing to Texas A and M. A and M's probably good enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. I mean, they're it's not going to happen. But they're but they're probably one of the few teams that's that's good enough to go make a game out of it there. Especially yeah. if the game's played at night. But if they go to win that game, and like I said before, if Syracuse schedules that next week at noon in Syracuse. A week later, I mean that's that'd be big for them. Think about this: like it's 2019. You and I are huge college football fans, and we're talking preseason, big time ACC matchups. I just gave you a list of about six or seven. You just gave us a list of about seven or eight, and neither one of us said. Florida State, Miami. No, well, that's it's incredible. True. Like, yeah, it's just, it's yeah, it's not even. You know what I mean? It's not. Yeah, wild. it's not a big deal. Doesn't matter. That's wild. Um, I and mean, you could like, argue for my number five Duke at North Carolina that Florida State, Miami could be put there, but like, you know what I mean. In their own little it's, vacuum, that could be bigger for Cutcliffe and Mac Brown. Yeah, I mean, like, I would say just 
from what I know about Miami and their success the last couple of years, I'd say they'd have to be the favorite going into this game, right? Oh, yeah. Easily. So then it's just like, until Florida State wins a meaningful game, when are you going to, like, when are you going to? You know, I heard this rumor about about Florida producing a lot of athletes but not producing a lot of linemen. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a big, um, that's kind of like, been a big downfall for the state of Florida, all those schools in the state of Florida. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. Like the game down there shifting to like a lot of seven on seven, a lot of just passing offense. You know what I mean? Yeah. I- uh, but obviously the game is not played that way. I mean, if you look at the college football playoff, I mean, even Oklahoma ran the ball. They had almost 3,000-yard rushers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Georgia and Alabama towed the rock. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's just, it's like, it's weird. Everybody throws the ball, but when it matters the most, the teams that are running it are still playing for the national title. Right. That makes sense. Um, but, okay, I got one for you. So, if you could attend any game this year in the ACC, in the ACC, who would you go see? Or where would you go? Not even a non-conference matchup? You can go see whatever game. I'd probably go to A&M at Clemson, pending it was a night game. That's what I was going to say, too. That's probably that's probably right. I would say, though, November 2nd, Miami at Dope Campbell would be pretty solid because I've never been to Dope Campbell. But, I mean, like, Clemson's got to be – Clemson A&M's got to be, like, the the main one. Yeah, November 30th, the the Swamp would be fun, but that game is going to be so bad. Yeah. I'm, Florida State at Florida. Like, yeah. it's, it's going to be a day game. <laughs> it's going to be a blowout. They're going to be the best out of Florida State. I'm so sorry to say that, too, but, yeah. Yeah, it's just too much. Um – Okay, so you got – we've all got Clemson, like, locked into the, the ACC championship, but who do you have them playing against? Uh, like I said, I, it's either going to be Virginia, Virginia Tech, or Miami. I, I mean, I guess I can flip a coin. And I guess I, – I mean, I would probably say the winner of the Virginia, Virginia Tech game. Uh, which it's at Virginia. So I don't know. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's where I stand. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it doesn't, uh, it, it's just, it's not even worth the, uh, the, 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 uh, not even worth the analysis in my opinion. Yeah. I, I think Virginia, just based on the factors we talked about earlier, of them having their toughest slate of games at home and dodging Clemson uh, probably puts them as the four forerunner for that uh, that spot. Um, I'm a I'm a say Miami just to differ from you, but 
I think Virginia could very well end up in that spot. So I'm going to take Clemson over Miami in a massacre. It is, it's probably going to rain because it's rained the past few years, so it's probably going to rain. Clemson's probably going to score 28 in the first. And I'm probably going to be drunk on the couch waiting for the Dr. Pepper halftime throw. <laughs> so that's pretty much what I'm counting on for the ACC this year. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I think it'd be pretty good. I think it's um I think it's going to be fun to watch Clemson play. Um it's going to be a shame to watch. I I think it could be a historic offensive season for them. Oh, without a doubt. I don't and even it think just, it's going to be a shame to watch, honestly, cuz I mean, I watch a ton of of uh, Alabama games where it just seems like they're gonna. I think it's di- it's it's different because defensively, when a team just smothers you, it feels different than offensively, where you just know you ain't got a chance to keep up with the points. But I mean, it's almost gonna be like watching. It's almost gonna be like watching the uh, the Warriors play. Like it's just gonna look so good. Like, yeah, it could. It'll also be very interesting to see what happens. Here's what I think could happen. Mm-hmm. Really be could really be Clemson's worst nightmare. Um is obviously seeing Alabama at the end of the year is nobody likes to do that, but I don't think it does anything to Clemson. I don't you know think they I, mean? fe- I don't think they fear Alabama at all. It's I mean, I don't know why you would. And I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't. Um, but I think maybe one thing that could really could really bite them is if they got Georgia Ooh. in the playoff. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you Somebody beat your whole season might, looking towards Bama and then Georgia's yeah, the team that you get. I mean, think about it. I mean, about the entire season. I mean, this was this was the greatest team in college football history. That's what we all thought with Alabama. You know what I mean? Yeah. Tua didn't get touched. He didn't throw a pass in the fourth quarter. Like, I don't even think he took a snap in the fourth quarter for like five games. Yeah. It was just like, it was like, oh my gosh, nobody's going to even touch these guys. And then they go and get waxed. And uh, so I I don't know. Maybe Clemson, if they go through that same spurt and then Georgia catches them. And they're looking towards an Alabama, and Georgia's kind of built like them, like Alabama is. Um, but here's here's a maybe a hot take for you: is Fromm? It probably is not even that big of a hot take. Fromm will play better next year against Clemson if they were to meet than Tua did last year. I mean, Tua is not very good. Oh. I mean, he had his moments. He, he made plays, but. Uh, a lot of young throws in that game. And so if Georgia can keep the ball away and Fromm make enough plays and they just milk that game, yeah, I could see that as being Clemson's downfall. I think that's I think that's how you beat Clemson. You you implore the early two thousands Colts Patriots strategy when you played against them that, you know, you just keep the ball out of Peyton and Tom Brady's hands. Like you just gotta do the same thing, just Keep Trevor Lawrence off the sideline. Like nothing yeah. wears down all the more. Make, you just like gotta make things drive. just difficult enough. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which is hard to say because like Alabama, I mean, like you saw, like the guy would be right there and what is it, T. Higgins just like making the one-handed grab. You're like, uh, it, I'm just ain't nobody beating him right now. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like he's reaching behind him, grabbing it one hand. It's like, you know what? Hey, you might as well just go home, bud, because like it ain't happening today. But if you could like just get in Trevor Lawrence's face just a little bit. I even more, I just don't think it's gonna matter. Like <laughs> Yeah, I mean it probably won't, but I mean that's your shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean like crazy happen. But if I'm throwing it up to T. Higgins or Justin Ross, like I'll take my chances. Oh, plus any he's day like six, six, man. I was looking so, at the uh I was looking at the preseason uh all ACC teams. <laughs> Clemson has one, two, three, four, four of the five offensive linemen, two of the three receivers, quarterback and running back. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna be stacked. They're gonna be so good. I mean, they probably had the Heisman winner at running back at quarterback and like could legitimately have a Heisman number, have Heisman numbers at the running back position. Oh, Etienne is a monster. I said this every week to anybody who would listen to me last year. Outside of Benny Snell, Travis Etienne was my favorite running back. And I think he's going to be my favorite running back this year. Like, he just runs hard. And I think, like, a lot of times it's overlooked when you have just like a very flashy, high-powered offense that throw could throw the ball around the field. Like sometimes you overlook the running back position, but like like you said, you have somebody who's you know you throw the ball up to Justin Ross or T Higgins, and you have like this demoralizing thing where you could be in perfect position and still not make a play. Well, like. Etienne's that thing where it's you could you could potentially stop um, Clemson for a couple plays and it's third and three and you're like ah, if we could just get off the field here and then he could he could gut one out for four yards or he could burst one for like thirty five and there's just nothing you can do about it. Yeah, I mean he's that good. And what's crazy is like if you look at the offensive skill kits they got. Quarterback's a sophomore. Etienne is a junior. Mm-hmm. T. Higgins is a junior. Justin Ross is a sophomore. And then um, they might get Amari Rogers back. He's a junior. He tore his ACL pretty early, but I mean, he's trending towards coming back. Yeah, it's just in like the receivers they got coming in. I mean, they said. Um, I don't know who, who's the cat. Um, why can I not think of his name? Uh, I heard uh, uh, Dabo talking about him. This recruit, the recruit they got, and they said he's like the most ready freshman they've ever had coming in, in this like year. a wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know. Let me look here. Oh, here we go. Uh, they got the freshman uh, Joseph. Is it Nada and Nada? Yeah. And Frank Ladson Jr. Yeah. Both early enrolled, and Sweeney says they're as ready as any freshman he's ever had. <laughs> Mind you, T. Higgins just came through there. Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, it's wild. 
Yeah. You, I mean, you could probably chalk their success up too. It's like Brent, uh, Brent Venables sticking around. Do you think this? I kind of, I kind of liken him to, um, you know, it's not the same thing, mm-hmm. but Clemson's success can kind of be similar to what is like what Michigan State could have been. Michigan State could have been like a poor man's, um, like a poor man's Clemson. You know what I mean? If uh, just, Pat Narduzzi had stuck around, because yeah. when Narduzzi was around, like in 2013, when they run the when, like they had won the Rose Bowl, then the year later they went to the playoff, and like they were winning ten games every single year. Um, but then he left to go be a Pitt's head coach. And then Michigan State, I mean, they have good defense. They play really good defense. They really do. Mm-hmm. But they were putting corners in. The, I mean, they, they were impossible to play defense against. I mean, other than like towards the end of that era when Alabama got a hold of them, mm-hmm. which, I mean, 2015, they weren't even the best team in that. I mean, they shouldn't even have been playing. Right. Ohio State should have been playing in that in that playoff with Bosa and Zeke Elliott and all those guys. Yeah. But they, um, they, they snuck out that win at the last second against the Buckeyes. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that's what, that's what, like what the, probably the, the most important part of Clemson's success is being consistent with the coaching and staying around is him staying there. Let me ask you this. Do you think that this, um, receiving core that they have now, um, like we mentioned, Justin Ross, T Higgins, um, when, uh, Amari Rogers comes back. You'll have him. Uh, you got Nada. You got uh, Ladson that are coming in. Do you think that they could be better than that 2012 core of uh, D. Hop, Watkins, Martavis, and uh, Humphreys? I mean, they could be. I mean, here's the thing: is their quarterbacks yeah. better? <laughs> They're going to throw it a lot more. You know what I mean? They just got a better quarterback. They're going to get a lot more chances. They just got to manage it. You know what I mean? They just got to manage the attitudes, getting the ball around. You know yeah. what I mean? And the coaches just got to do a good job of, of just playing within the system and not being like, we got to get this guy this many touches. We got to get this guy this many touches. And you, all of a sudden you start forcing it, making packages for certain plays. Then you become predictable. You just do you. You fourth know what I mean? Quarter, fourth quarter snaps. Who, like – who do you think ends up having more at the end of this regular season? Trevor Lawrence this year or Tua last year? I'd say I'd say Tua last year probably has more fourth quarter snaps than Trevor Lawrence. I can really only see Trevor Lawrence taking fourth quarter snaps in two games. I think that's all predicated on I think that's all predicated on Clemson reloading on defense and keeping right. people out of the end zone. Um, also, I don't know who the backup quarterback is. That's probably a big issue with it because you know it's easy to put two out when you got Jalen Hurts going in. True. Yeah. You know what I mean. So if it's a, I mean, I don't. It's probably not a huge drop off, but I he's probably the least known person in America. Clemson's backup quarterback. <laughs> and they prefer he stay that way. <laughs> Because, I mean, is it still Chase Bryce? No, I thought he was a senior last year. I didn't think so. Because he got Kelly Bryan gone, but I think Chase Bryce is coming back. Let's look here. 
So maybe he's not. I guess the least known quarterback. No, looks like he was a sophomore last year. So yeah, he'll be a junior this year. Because he did win that. He did win that game for him last year. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Against Syracuse. If it's, I mean, it's hard to say they'd be out because it was such an early game. But I mean, you never know. I wouldn't risk it again. That's for damn sure. All right. Yeah. So, so who you got for? All right. Are you talking up? Are you talking up? Um. Um. Holy cow! Player of the year. Why can't I Trevor think Lawrence? Same? Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that's yeah. what I wrote down. I mean, the only the only way I can look against it is if like Etienne is averaging like two hundred a game on the ground. Yeah, or like I don't know, one of those receivers yeah, just blows up. I, I, you know what see, I mean? I, I feel like it's hard for a receiver to do it though, because it, it, like he may go for three hundred yards receiving, but somebody had to throw him that ball, and so they're always going to lean towards yeah. the quarterback. That's fair. So I would say that uh, it's probably going to. I'm probably going to. I'm going to lean towards Trevor Lawrence with my dark horse. Not really a dark horse, but my dark horse being um, Etienne. I could see, I could see a a, a situation where you kind of end up again like the Warriors, where you have so much talent that they all kind of draw away from the MVP of, from each other, and then you get like a a crazy ten and two from Virginia. Like yeah, a Cam or Akers. like Virginia or something, and then he, like Bryce Perkins wins it. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, maybe. Yeah. But you probably should just get it if everybody has to dream up crazy scenarios for ways of you not <laughs> right. getting it. Right. You know what I mean? Hey, so can I say something uh, real quick as the producer? I am feeling very strongly about Trevor Lawrence when I hear you talk about him. So just for the record, so everyone knows who's listening to this podcast, Trevor Lawrence is a player who grew up in Fall Branch, Tennessee, which is right next to where I recently just moved from up in Johnson City, Tennessee. Trevor Lawrence, both of his parents were graduates of ETSU University. Trevor Lawrence grew up a Huge University of Tennessee fan, admittingly wearing University of Tennessee pajamas every night before he went to bed. Trevor Lawrence, as a young up-and-coming star recruit, wanted to go to the University of Tennessee. Trevor Lawrence went to University of Tennessee while Butch Jones was the coach. And Butch Jones told him he would not change his offense for Trevor Lawrence and offended the whole Trevor Lawrence family. And took his talents to a much better program in the University of Clemson. I want to take this moment while we discuss the ACC to publicly say Butch Jones is awful and horrific and the reason that we did not get a legacy. So that's all I had to say there. In Trevor Lawrence's defense, he probably wouldn't have went to Tennessee and been terrible. So there's that. Oh, no, that's 100% true. But if you're Tennessee and you have the undisputed number one recruit in the country, you say, hey, we're going to do whatever the hell you want to do, period. I mean, yeah. 
you're gonna. I mean, if you're Butch Jones, you say we want you, not my Butch Jones offense. I just couldn't imagine a world where Jared Grant, uh, Garantano, and Trevor Lawrence are like comparatively yeah. the same. <laughs> That's wild to me. All right, so let's wrap this up. You got who you got for defensive uh, player of the year? I went, I'm going out on a little limb here. I went with uh, Shaquille Quarterman from Miami. Um, returning guy plays linebacker. Uh, he's going to be a senior. Um, his freshman year, he was all fresh uh, freshman all American. He was uh, ACC or all ACC third team. His sophomore year, he won second team, and last year he won first team. So the only transition from him now is to to be that top dog and go ahead and take over as Depoy this year. Um, I just think he's got like he's got the talent to do it if he stays healthy. Um, he had eighty two tackles last year, fourteen for loss, with six sacks. Like, I mean, that's a hell of a stat line. Like. I think that Miami's probably going to be a little bit better this year uh, than last year. So, I, I think Miami's going to be really right. solid on defense. As I honestly like, he was my pick. I don't want to make that sound like a cop out, but he was my pick as well. And I mean, I'm looking at ACC projected first team defense, all first team defense, and they got yeah. two linebackers. I do think their you know, defense is going to be pretty good Pinkney, this year. So. Yeah, they've got a projected all-conference um, defensive lineman, two linebackers, mm-hmm. and a DB. So you're going to be solid from at all three levels. Um, could be very good for him. Yeah. So the thing I like about him is they got two. he's got two returning starters at defensive line in front of him. Uh, especially defensive tackle. I always like mm-hmm. seeing that for a linebacker. Eat up those blocks. Let you run free, so yeah, I think it's a pretty safe. Pick. And I mean, just uh, or I mean, or somebody from Clemson. I just the thing I think about Clemson is not is not one yeah, dominant. It's player. a it's a group of right. There's just so right. many of them. And so that's that's a, I kind of feel like it's going to be one of those things where they all make great plays, but it's like if you're only on the if you're only on the field for fifty five plays a game or something, like are you really going to get? the measurables to to win it over a guy who's on the field all the time. Yeah, I just I like I, I think it. it's a safe pick. I think it's a safe pick. So all right, I appreciate y'all listening. Um I, we tried to fill some time with the ACC. I know it's a one-headed <laughs> monster. Uh we'll see who finishes second in the league this year. It's going to be an interesting race. And um Coming up in the future, we've got coming up, uh, we're going to do next week, uh, launch two episodes. We're going to do the SEC and the Big Ten. Uh, should get some good depth because of our familiarity with the conferences. Um, so I'm excited to bring those to you guys. Uh, AJ, it's, the SEC is going to be a good I, one. It's, it's going to be a dogfight this year. Um, and I think that a little sneak peek. I really think that it's probably going to end up in um, a uh, repeat of the SEC championship game. But I mean, it's it's really going to be a tighter 
tighter year. I mean, Georgia doesn't have a walk in the park schedule this year. So I think like that coupled with, I do think, I think Bama will be as good. But I also think there's been, there's signs of chinks in the armor. So I think that at times teams will not necessarily fear Alabama. Uh, You got great out of conference games. So, I mean, like, it's going to be a wild year, man. I'm I'm excited for it. I'm honestly, I'll tell you this, like I know like I'm always going to favor and lean towards the SEC, but I'm really interested to see um what goes on in the Big 10 this year. Like I, it like if you if you ask all the 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 guys who know everything and that do this for a living, this is the year that uh you all don't win the you all don't win the Big Ten championship, and like, not even appear in the game. So yeah, and and Michigan yeah. is uh, and Michigan hasn't won one since two thousand four, and it was a co Big Ten title, and uh, they're due for one. Um, also, I mean, Nebraska could be one of those teams that's a lot of fun to yeah. watch. Um, I know, um. Scott Frost came out and said, I wouldn't take any other quarterback in America besides Adrian Martinez. And I get what else are you going to say? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like Trevor, well, besides Trevor Lawrence and Tua, I wouldn't take anybody besides Adrian. But like, I get what he's saying. Um, The kid's a freak. I mean, he's incredible. And to see what happens on the West, I think honestly, the Big Ten is probably going to be the most competitive conference. All right. Maybe not competitive, the most balanced conference. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it's probably the one league where there's not a clear front runner. Like you just yeah. don't know who's going to win. Like if it's if it's uh, the Big Twelve, you pretty much know it's going to be Oklahoma right. and maybe Texas. You're betting right. on Alabama or Georgia. You're you know Clemson's going to win. Like the Big Ten, who knows? It could be same old story. It could be changing of the guard. It could be somebody from the West finally winning. It could be Wisconsin, like just surprising everybody with the young quarterback and having the Heisman candidate, the running. Who knows? I mean, nobody it truly knows. is wide so, open. So, yeah, and there's a lot of exciting things in the meet and like in the middle of the program. Jeff Brom, you know, at Purdue. I mean, that's. I mean, there's a. They just got to stop shooting themselves in the foot. That's a program. They always lose a couple dumb games. You know, that's a difference between them going six and mm-hmm. six and like eight and four. Um, I think uh, Mike Loxley at Maryland. I mean, that's, I don't want to say sleeping giant, but I would say that's like a sleeping, like maybe like yeah. sleeping like ogre. You know what I mean? Just somebody that's like, they're not going to be great, but they could be a really solid program. Kind of like, Rutgers when um when uh what's his face? Uh, Shiano, Greg Shiano. Defensive guy. Shiano, when Shiano was there. You know what yeah. I mean? They were it's a good program. That you know it's a tough place. You didn't want to go play there on a Thursday night. Um, which is crazy because <laughs> they're bottom dwellers. Uh Michigan State's defense is gonna be loaded. I mean, you they're gonna be Michigan so State, good. I might mark Penn down State. as 0 and twelve for those horrendous jerseys that they have. <laughs> They should. They should. They should automatically. You know how we say like wearing yeah. all black gets you plus seven points. Like those uniforms automatically those put you down twenty one zero. Terrible. I mean, just awful. Uh, but yeah, yeah, they're yeah. bad. 
it's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be a really good time. So I'm looking forward to it. Definitely. Uh, we're yeah, man. We're yeah, here, good night, man. man. Uh, thank y'all for joining us, but we're we're here. Y'all can bear with us for two more weeks. We'll have consistent content for the rest of the year, and that's just delightful to say. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Thing. It's this month, August. I mean, like, 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 yeah, Buckeye. Yeah. Like everybody plays this week, this month. Oh, August 31st. so it's gonna be amazing. So, also, shot big shout out to Kentucky for scheduling uh, week one game at noon, so that I can enjoy the rest of my day watching all kinds of college football. Yeah, uh, Toledo, I believe. This is a great. That's Toledo. a great game. Yep. We start with a couple. Start with Toledo and Eastern Michigan, first two games. Yeah, Eastern Michigan. I mean, obviously for them is a good win, but yeah. uh, it's not a good program. Not a good MAC program. So, all right, man. Yes, sir. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Uh, don't forget, go to uh, Spotify, <laughs> Instagram. Insta- yes, wow, Instagram. Go to Spotify. Go to. Yeah, go to Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to, Please. rate, review, subscribe. Just go on there, click five stars. It'd be great. Very much so it? appreciate it. Also, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Peace of Mind 615. And uh, y'all have a good night. See you. Bleed Butch Jones. Think of all the good quarterbacks you guys could have had. You guys know Adrian Martinez was recruited to you?